You're listening to Rust Belt Running. Running is what makes me realize that, like, I'm a human being who is worth something. That is not a good measurement of my value as a human. We get between eight and 10,000 additional comments, and I read every one of them. So you had to run Sand Run for your first. You become race director and take it out. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's got to be old guy naked in the locker room. I, I get to spend time with my friend Adam. I get to do something with my friend. Right now, I'm not thinking much beyond what I'm going to be drinking next week at this time. Coleslaw on a taco is not taco, it's barbecue. And so we'll be discussing tonight with some occasional swear words from Andrew because he's upset. And that's okay. I know him as the biggest Kid Rock fan around. You rap that. <laughs> oh, dear God. You're listening to Rust Belt Running. I'm Adam Wheeler. You can find me on social media at WheelsUpNCLE. Joined, as I always am, by Andrew Hedinger, who you can find on social media at Andrew Runs A Lot. You can find the podcast on social media at Rust Belt Running. Today, some post-election thoughts, uh, some different running angles that tied into the election, and um, some just kind of good feel-good stories about um, an Ironman finisher, and then... Andrew, your race, the Glass City Marathon, published their COVID precautions. We're going to talk about those and kind of what the what racing next year might look like. Although, of course, we put that in the we put that in the outline before the vaccine information came out. So we'll talk about that too. Um, uh, let's start with this though, man. How are how are you doing? Uh, um, uh, I I tell you what, I don't. I didn't think after last week I could be more tired. And uh, then this week, I'm I'm more tired, right? Than I was last week. I cause like I partied really hard on Saturday. Like I felt we all deserved that. You text you broke the news to me on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. Um, cause I was actually at the grocery store, and uh, I feel my watch vibrate, and I look down, and I just see on my watch Adam Wheeler. 46 and i beelined for the uh, champagne and um and i drank the whole bottle out of the bottle and it was glorious and that was followed by numerous uh beers and then i took a nap and woke up with that that twilight hangover that happens in the fall sometimes when you day drink and it was amazing. And then everything's really hit the fucking fan since then. So I do think I, one thing I want (laughs) to, Adam uh, always brings up uh, our social media handles. I feel like now we need to be more specific. Um, You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rust Belt Running. Uh, You cannot find us on Parlor. (laughs) Or me, we uh, um, at Rust Belt Running. We we are not on those. Um, Sorry, what was that second one? Uh, I, I believe it's pronounced me we. It's M E W E, and the M and the W are capitalized. I don't even know what that is. Yep. Well, it is the number one downloaded or number one ranked social media download for like the last three days. So across both major operating system platforms i have an idea then of where it might lie in the 
political spectrum. All right. So let me ask you this question. Um, Go ahead. So would you rather? <laughs> and you have to give me an answer because it's, it's going to be really tough. Um, would you rather find your mom has a parlor account or a Tinder account? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. So for those who don't know, Parlor is a um, it's a very right right wing um, social media account that's like, oh, they don't censor us and stuff like that. Uh, but it's also like full of conspiracy theories. And uh, I actually, you know what? Let me just read from Google um what the parlor app is no not you google my phone's like hey um all right let's uh let's find this oh shit it looks better on my oh you know what i want to read this specifically because i know you have some serious thinking to do uh, Parler is a United States-based microblogging and social networking service launched in August 2018. Parler has a significant user base of Trump supporters, conservatives, and Saudi nationalists. Posts on the website often contain far-right content, anti-Semitism, and conspiracy theories. So that's Parler. So, um, and then Tinder, if, for those of you who don't know, I mean, Tinder came out after I was married, so I don't know anything about Tinder. I don't know if you have any experience. You're not missing anything, man. Um, You're not missing anything. But basically, it's a it, like you're pretty much looking to hook up and slam. I believe is what Tinder is uh, <laughs> is for. Am I wrong? Oh, God. Am, I, am I wrong? In that? No, <laughs> Did you just take a no. big drink of alcohol after I said that? Yeah, I did. Um, so I guess one, to answer your question, um, I'd go with the Tinder account because I can always just swipe in the direction. I, I don't even know what direction you swipe in to not is it swipe. I, I don't know. I'm not on these accounts. You... Um, but I could just, you know, you swipe whatever direction you need to swipe to not match, and then you don't ever need to think about it again. Parlor, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, God, no. Because you know what? I've got, I've got some friends that are, have kind of fallen down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole. One of my oldest friends is a flat earther, and uh, for like five years... For like five years, he was trying to convince me that I needed to watch this YouTube video or this thing because it's going to change my life. And finally, it was like, listen, man, if we're going to continue to be friends. You're just going to have to accept that this is kind of like one of those unmentionables. Like, I'm going to choose not to engage in your conspiracy theories or judge you about them. And you're going to choose to just not try to convert me because I'm not going to be converted. Um I've got another friend who's fallen down the the right wing conspiracy theory rabbit hole and like a, a super sweet girl who um, I don't even know what sent her down these rabbit holes, but it's like, I'm seeing someone become more and more miserable before my eyes. And it's like, yeah. we're, we're so we're way too online. Um, and you know, what's, what's funny about like a, a site like parlor is that um, 
you know, a site like that came about because Twitter started doing things like flagging, you know, outright disinformation and taking down tweets and things like that. And, you know, that gets that gets certain people like, you know, froth. Oh, they're suppressing the truth. Um, so, you know, like you go to Parler, but you know, what's going to happen there. Like something's going to happen there, which is going to send people further off that site to yet another site. It was, it's, it's like you're one step away from 4chan. Like that, that's really what yeah, Parler yeah. is. Like if you want to, if you, just you want keep... like a map, I mean, that's where you're going next. And it's Hop like these people Reddit. just keep whittling themselves down. If you want to like, I've just... never gotten into Reddit. I haven't either. But if you want to like seriously go somewhere where they don't censor shit, Go to Reddit. Reddit don't give a yeah. fuck what you do. Like that is really just a plat. That is just a space for you to put shit. Like that's all. It's the basement of the internet. Um, and that's not. That's not saying anything against Reddit. I think it does serve a purpose. I sometimes do find myself on different forums. Um, you know, and I I think you can get a lot of good like advice on. You know, I mean, I get advice on like home improvement projects and smoking meat and stuff like that from there. But um, yeah, this uh, man, this other shit's just bonkers. But I just I hope um, that as people flee Facebook and Twitter um, to go to these websites, I hope they flee all the way because, yeah, if you really just want to fucking do that go right ahead just do it a hundred percent so i don't have to see your bullshit like if that's really what you want to do i'm fine with that just do it all the way don't half-ass it guys if you're going to parlor just do it i guess i mean out of sight out of mind yeah you're either going to 4chan or you're gonna like get in like q anon or something i don't know but um yeah, that's part of the reason I'm so tired is because of people like that who are constantly posting just, I, you know, I do almost subscribe to the like, if you say it enough, it becomes true because there's things that I see and I'm like, my God, I've seen this so many times. It's It must be true. Now, part of that's because I, I can't get off the internet these days. And I probably need to take a break. Yeah. It's um, it's pretty great. I, you know, I just when I keep when I keep reading some of these things, um, you know, the thing that keeps hitting me in, in the face is that like the people that won't come right out and denounce the conspiracies, but feed just enough like innuendo, like you know, it could be real, and it's like one fuck those people because they're elected leaders that know what they're doing they know that they're like getting in there and messing with the emotional you know engagement system that you have but two is it's like we've just become so comfortable just immediately flipping that switch and it's like we've gotten to this point now where like if we feel it we feel like it's okay to maul on it and express it and then not ever think about it and just that's so dangerous because it might work for your quote unquote side, like in one specific moment, but then eventually, like if people realize you're a sucker and can be like easily manipulated like that, they're going to keep doing it in a way that's eventually going to hurt you. Like, yeah, these people aren't looking out for you. If you, if they know you're you know going to be manipulated, it's, it's snake oil salesman bullshit. You know, and you can, you can put it to within running. How long did we see things like, um, how long do we see things like barefoot running 
yeah. be be sold to us, you know, as like the way. You know, it was like you've got to get rid of all your shoes and you got to wear the Vibram's five fingers. And people were constantly dealing with foot injuries. And finally, somebody just said, you know, if this is the way to do it, why don't professionals ever do it? Like they're the ones with money on the line. Mm-hmm. And then it was like there was there was this collective like. Oh, yeah. But you know what? You can sell a whole lot of material if you just get some pseudo sciencey claim and go ahead and get people that aren't going to think about it to just buy into it. It's like, man, you got to you got to realize like if people are constantly trying to get you to emotionally react, you might want to take a step back. Right. And, and I mean, take a step back and think about this. I'm going to read you one um, Facebook status a friend had sent to me and I could not. Okay have found it to be more on point. Um, If you're going down the conspiracy rabbit holes of what happened this election and not understanding the facts about like what actually happened over uh, what Tuesday through Saturday, four days, um, and what continues to happen, which is counting legal votes. Um, But the, the friend sent this to me, I believe this is one of his friends online, but it could not have been worded more perfectly. If we were going to cheat, hand to God, Mitch McConnell would not have won. And it could not be yes. simpler than that. I mean, for real. Like, if there, if there is any other person, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's just not, it's just crazy. But let's move to some, like, maybe some positive thoughts from the election. Not just that, you know, we're happy with the, um, with the, pres- the, the president-elect being Joe Biden. Because, uh, you know, I mean, if you've listened to us at all, you know, uh, or if you f- follow us on social media, um, whether it's the, um, you know, whether it's our Instagram or our per- our podcast one or our personal ones, you're you're gonna know who we voted for. If you find my parlor, it's totally different. <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah, just like so, so, something that you know, besides just the results, what what's like something that you kind of look back on this last week with with some pride i know you know mine and i'm kind of out of order of how we have this lined up so don't steal my thunder here no it's fine because mine's mine i hold mine very dear to my heart so yeah um you know for me it was just that the whole process went off really without a hitch like given what the stakes were and given the given the way that you know trump supporter like the hardcore trump supporters feel about him i was really expecting to at some point you know go on the twitter last tuesday and see that there were there was violence you know in, in downtown city somewhere that there were trump caravans that were out that were trying to block people from getting to the polls and it's like despite all the stakes and it, it seems weird to talk about now given kind of where things have gone off the rails a little bit with the count but it was almost like everybody still treated the day kind of like a very solemn, holy day. Like when I, I, I waited two hours in line to vote and it was funny because everybody that I was in line with, I went around 1030 and everybody that was there had the same thought of like, well, I didn't want to go earlier in the morning because I knew the people that were going to work would be stopping there. And I didn't want to wait till later when people were coming off of work and everybody had this thought of like, well, I'll go, you know, around lunchtime or a little bit before lunchtime. And there won't be that many people there. And I waited a solid two hours and I live in a, a, if you look at Calga County, I live in one of the Trumpier neighborhoods of Calga County, very upscale suburb. Um, And even though that was the case, it was like very 
solemn, very respectful. Like everybody kind of understood the importance of what they were doing. And you know, there were people voting both ways in that line. And it was just, there was a little bit of like electricity in the air waiting. And like, you knew kind of what some of the underlying assumptions people had were of, of others that were waiting, but everybody was very respectful about the fact that this is something we all get to do and should do. And I, I came away from that day feeling very proud of that because it was of any election that I've ever voted in. Like it was one where I really worried that there were going to be some, some violence around it. And there wasn't. Yeah. I know yours. Yeah. I, so I've not ever met many people know I'm from Atlanta, uh, raised in Atlanta and uh, followed, especially after so when as the whole election happened to i know when we when you and i went to bed tuesday night i texted you and i was like i do not feel good about this and i i think we just didn't really understand how things were going to turn as um right you know the the mail-in ballots were counted in the days after the mail-in ballots that were returned on or before election day in these states were not counted first by state law in certain states, Georgia being one of them. And when I woke up Wednesday morning, the lead that uh, President Trump had, that is one of the first times I think I've ever actually called him that. Um, but uh, the the lead that he had over uh, President-elect Biden uh, was, I wanna say in the neighborhood of 300 to 400,000 votes. Uh, when I woke up that mm -hmm. morning, it was, cut by like 75 percent as they began the largest swath of counting these votes and it, it became something i followed greatly i knew that there was a great chance that that state was going to flip to what i would like to have seen it flip to um especially after seeing ohio's just go further red um i i really locked my eyes on the state of georgia um and you know, over a couple of days, I think, I, you know, Wednesday was really when it really hit, started to go crazy. And I, I was texting you a lot that day, like pretty much an update every mm -hmm. time there was a ballot dump. Like, yeah, I, I was I was texting you. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, because there there are counties like Fulton County, Cobb County. <laughs> if you guys follow the news, you know, all the counties in the metro Atlanta area by this point. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I lived in DeKalb County and Gwinnett County. Uh, those are the counties I lived in when I lived in the Atlanta area. And just to see everything that happened in those days, um, it, it was a culmination of the work that Stacey Abrams and Killer Mike um, put in in Atlanta, registering people to vote. Stacey Abrams, when she ran for governor a couple of years ago, there was a lot of suppression tactics that took place in the Atlanta area, particularly in Fulton and Clayton counties. And, uh, you know, she, she lost that election by shoot. I, I believe it was less than a percentage point. Um, mm -hmm. but she, uh, she really took it upon herself to make sure that that does not happen again, that those people in those counties are properly, uh, represented in the vote. And I think one great thing we saw from, uh, you know, all the absentee balloting 
uh, I, I kind of wish we would stop calling it mail-in ballots because I, I believe I believe there's like those distinctions that people who don't really understand, like a mail-in ballot is an absentee ballot. Like, yeah, they're the same thing. So I think as we- You know who votes absentee? He didn't this time around. No, he did. No, he voted in person. Trump? Yeah, yeah, there was a picture of him. No, he mailed it. Polling place. I'm, 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 I, I thought he mailed it to Florida. No, nah, not um, Donald Trump voting. And regardless, if he didn't this time, he has a ton because he claims his home state is Florida now. Uh, but uh, oh well, I can't find it because when I Google search him voting, it's just his um, his claims of voting or of voter fraud. But no, I believe he was in Florida and he may have voted early, um, but he did vote in person. Yes, President Donald Trump votes early in Florida in person. He voted in person in Florida, but neither here nor there, neither here nor there. Um, you know, I think as you watched the news on just a constant loop for four days and you just hear mail-in ballots, mail-in ballots, mail-in ballots, uh, it's absentee ballots. Like I will see people try to throw around these conspiracy theories like we need to do away with mail-in ballots and just go to absentee it's like it's this literally same the same thing. thing there is no distinction between the two at all uh some states have open absentee ballots this was pennsylvania's first year with it um ohio did it no problem but georgia yeah. as they as they opened it up they were no longer able to practice these suppression tactics that may have cost uh, Stacey Abrams the uh, governor's seat in the state of Georgia. And so with her work and how she educated her community and very grassroots style got people to register to vote and sign up for absentee ballots and you know educate them on policies and everything else, they flipped that freaking state blue. And when that changed Friday morning, I woke up at 5.40 and it had flipped, the, the um, Biden deficit had grown to a, uh, he, was, he was over uh, Trump at the time, happened like 40 minutes before I woke up. And so one, I was glad I did not try to wait up for it because you knew it was coming. It was just a matter of time, but I wanted to see it happen. But I was able to really just, I seriously, in my truck at work all day, I just blared Outcast and Ludacris and Killer Mike all day. That was all I listened to. And I was just so proud of what the city of Atlanta did, what Stacey Abrams did, what Killer Mike did. There's many others too. Uh, and, you know, not only did they, you know, flip the presidential electoral votes to the Democratic side, they forced a runoff in two Senate elections that are going to be huge. And uh, I'm very interested to see what happens with those. But it just was a, a strong showing from a very determined um, small group of individuals, Stacey Abrams and Killer Mike being the two that really, you know, co-headline that. Uh, and I just, I'm just so proud of where I'm from and what people in my counties, in my city, in my state um, showed up to do. And uh, I think it's the, the beginning of something special, but it's definitely the, the kind of the apex of a movement. And 
I've God damn it. I was so freaking happy. Adam can attest to that. The amount of text messages I sent you about Georgia was just stupid. Oh yeah. And I seriously filed and everything Friday night. I seriously got home and I just sat in my office and I seriously just looked at the vote count for like half an hour while listening to Atlanta rap music while drinking Terrapin Hopsecutioner, which is from Athens, Georgia. (laughs) And like just had a moment of just pride and being able to enjoy it and enjoy that work that was put in. So cheers to them. I'm going to take a drink of my Hopsecutioner right now. As we, uh, I believe, are going to move on to Oh, isn't the next bullet point pretty much the same thing we just did? Um, nah, I mean, you take it I away. Mean, I, then. I got something that I do. I do have something I want oh. to say here, you know, so this is more about post-election thoughts. We talked about things we're proud of and then post-election thoughts. And, um, you know, when, when the call came down Saturday, I felt this, just enormous just sort of release of tension that I don't even know that I'd really recognize that I've been carrying. And unfortunately, you know, as we watch this fucked up transition go on, um, some of that tensions come back, but, um, it was a fun 48 hours, wasn't it? (laughs) It was, it really was. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Um, which, which I think is going to make what I'm about to say probably sound a little even crazier. But um, I immediately then started to think about like, I'm relieved and I recognize just how much work needs to be done. There's so much work that needs to be done. Like this is not the sort of thing that changes with any one single election. And we're certainly finding that as, as we see a number of people that won't just simply stand up and have a come to Jesus moment with the guy that lost uh, all because they're afraid or, you know, want to ride those coattails and, or it's a different Jesus division. Yeah. Um, And I I just, I thought a long time about what I'd like to say, because there's a lot of people that I know were not happy with the results. And um, one of the things that I've thought about throughout the last five years or so is that I don't think people that you and I maybe agree with on a lot of issues have always handled this time well either um i think we got kind of forced into you know identity politics you know kind of doing the us versus them and i think unfortunately we played the game on that turf and it's not turf that we're really good at playing on and in doing so we started to kind of self-select amongst ourselves you know you're you're not arguing for this the right way you're not you know for this in the way that i want you to be so therefore you're not part of my idea of what you know being a liberal or progressive is and and all that does is just further hurt us and um i was watching the i was watching snl the other night and Chappelle, dave Chappelle was on and it was a really nice um it was a really nice kind of way to look at things from four years ago because he was also the host on the show um after the last election and you know he you know dave Chappelle's always an interesting guy to listen to because he doesn't, I don't think he fits neatly into any sort of political ideology or narrative. He's a guy that tells a lot of truths, um, very uncomfortable truths to people. And so four years ago, he said, listen, I'm going to give this guy a chance. And I hope that he will recognize, you know, historically 
marginalized people. That obviously didn't happen. But he got to the end of his monologue. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend that you watch it. But I will tell you that it is not a politically correct monologue. There's a lot in there. Like at one point, he tells a joke. And then he like mockingly turns like he's going to talk to the producer of the show. And he says, I thought we were doing a comedy show here because he is not politically correct in his monologue. But he ended and he kind of perfectly encapsulated what I had going on in my mind. And, you know, the, the main idea behind his message was essentially that there were a lot of people that night who were feeling as disappointed as many of us had been feeling four years ago. And that it would be very easy to gloat about the win. And he cautioned against doing that. And he pointed out that, you know, for, for every person of color who's been marginalized in the last four years, there are people that are equally marginalized by people on the left. You know, he, he pointed out police officers. He said, you know, there's a lot of police officers out there who simply want to go out and do their service. And, um, you know, when people basically lump everybody together, every single police officer together, he said, you know, you're just going to kind of retreat into your tribe. And so he was talking about how he understands this idea that there's just a lot of people out there who feel disconnected from others. And he said, you know, the way he phrased it was like, the difference between you and me is that you guys hate each other for that. And he said, I just hate the feeling. And it's, it's tough right now to think along those lines as we watch people reject the results of the election and there's going to be people that you and i both know who are going to buy that conspiracy bullshit but there's also a lot of people out there who simply vote the way that they do because they also are struggling for meaning in their lives in the same way that people on the left are and we would probably be able to get a lot more done if instead of demonizing those people we tried to understand that and that's a really tough thing to do um because we're at a point right now where we just we divide ourselves into right and left and if you are on the opposite side, we automatically demonize you. And um, so much of the hard work that needs to be done, I think, just needs to be talking to people that think differently from us. And it doesn't mean that we need to tone down what we expect policy-wise. And it doesn't mean we need to be tolerant of blatant racism and things like that when we see it. But I do think it means we need to hear opinions and not immediately think that opinion is awful, that you know, the message behind that is evil because I don't, there's very little in politics that is that cut and dry. And I think we've tried, I think we've made it that cut and dry to our detriment. Yeah. I'm going to say one other quick thing. Um, I'm going to circle back to Stacey Please. Abrams for a quick second and then we'll move on. Um, Please. It kind of goes along a little bit with what you were just saying, but uh, we cannot continue to have the black community bail us out in elections and not meaningfully address issues surrounding those communities. Detroit and Atlanta did, did us some pretty fucking big solids. And uh, we owe it to them to make sure that they are, uh, that they're not forgotten, that they're not just people that we, you know, give lip service to, to get votes every four years. Those need to be communities that, we repay not just for sins past but for what they did for us um helping to turn michigan and uh georgia for the whole country i mean those are those are two states you have to look at that were just huge for and i mean philadelphia too um so 
yeah, we cannot forget them and, you know, leave, kind of leave them in the dust, which has happened far too often. So one, one thing that's awesome that makes it a little bit uh, more difficult to turn our back on um, the, uh, the people of color in this country is the fact that Kamala Harris is the uh, first, uh, the first everything when it comes, I mean, geez, like the list of firsts that she is and vice president elect is so massive because she is the first woman, the first person of yeah. color, the first, I, and I mean, the, the different Southeast Asian, Indian, and what else? She has something else. I was embarrassed to not know that she had um, Southeast Asian Indian heritage. I, I did not know that. Yeah. I had found that out when she was uh, when she was nominated, and I had no idea, and I was so embarrassed that I didn't know that because she's obviously been in she's been in the national spotlight for a long time. I'm just glad I can finally so, yeah. pronounce her name right because, like, I think even with you on the phone the other day, I still got it wrong. It might not have been you. It might have been somebody else I drunk dialed. But I, mm -hmm. I can, I've not, I, it's not a, uh, it's, it's not a David Purdue thing in Georgia where I like mispronounce it on purpose and to be racist. I just, oh God. I, 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 the hell he loses. I know I'm, I'm going to do my best. I'll be, I'll be text banking and phone banking and donating to make sure that uh, John Ossoff beats him. But um, I, uh, Golly, yeah. I, I've always struggled to pronounce her name. But anyways, she's a runner, we found out. Uh, and, yeah. she, and she does not use wireless headphones, which I think is strange for a vice president-elect. Um, but she was on a run on Saturday when the news broke that she and Joe Biden had been elected, uh, or the networks had called the election. All the networks had called the election um <laughs> oh my god that right, we <laughs> we'll talk about that maybe we only have like 27 more minutes so and a lot to talk about and <laughs> all the networks oh my um, god but uh she had called president-elect joe biden to uh, tell him that they did it in the middle of a run. So she finds out in the middle of a run uh, with her husband, uh, who will be the first that somebody called him the the first dude um, <laughs> at the uh, victory speech on Saturday. And I was like, that's what it needs to be. Just make it that. We don't need like first gentleman or anything or whatever they're going to, or second. Um, just second make him gentleman, yeah. yeah. Just make him the second dude. Second dude. Second dude. That's what I'm going to call him. But uh yeah, I so I thought it was just awesome. We had shared it on our Instagram story too, um, from her Instagram account. Uh, that we tried to share. It I love Dez's tweet, but it wasn't available. <laughs> I love Dez's tweet. Somebody pointed out that she was out for a run when she found out, and Des Linden tweeted, "Won the VP, but lost the Strava segment." Shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's so yeah, relatable. You said that to me. That was awesome. Oh, that's oh, great. Lord. Uh, oh, we finally laughed. My campaign manager was out for a run too. Oh yeah. There was 
There was a lot of running. Yeah, she was out for it. I want to make sure. Hold on. I'm sorry. I want to make sure I get her name. Jen O'Malley Dillon. Yeah, she was out for a run. We got anybody from the other side out running besides their mouths? Oh, God. Uh, I actually have. I have. Uh, you know, I, it's so funny. I texted when we were texting about this episode. I'm like, let's try not to be like, you know, too obvious. And yeah, you know what? Fuck yeah, it. Fuck that. Uh, I have what is almost a real time fun from the interwebs, actually, as we're talking about running mouths. Oh, damn. Do I need um, to go refresh my Twitter? No, no, no. I'll just, I'll read it out word for word. Um, do you remember the Lieutenant Governor of Texas, Dan? Patrick, oh, this is the hey, the grandparents should sacrifice oh themselves god. for the economy guy. Remember him? Oh my god. I he um he um let it be known that he will pay up to a million dollars a million dollars to encourage and reward those who report voter fraud. Um if info leads to an arrest or a conviction for voter fraud, you could expect at least twenty five thousand dollars. Um, what's funny about that is, in my mind, that makes me think that provides incentive for people to make up stories about voter fraud. But anyway, the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania saw this tweet and decided to clap back at him. This is just an hour ago. Hey, Governor Patrick, it's your counterpart in Pennsylvania. I'd like to collect your handsome reward for report, uh, reporting voter fraud. I got a dude in 44 PA who tried to have his dead mom vote for Trump. I'd like mine in Sheets gift cards, please. P.S. The Cowboys blow. And then he backs it up and sends him sends him the story about how this guy tried to commit voter fraud in Luzerne County in Pennsylvania by having his dead mom vote for Trump. And then he, he, he tagged it, $1 million in all caps. Oh, God. This is what's Man, you, you remember the good old days when, you know politicians you should just forget to log out of their burner accounts like that was like oh, five hours ago god. shit oh my god yeah let's find that tweet this is america it's so bad well you find it's that so bad because it's like it's so bad because like all you need to do with a lot of this stuff is just take like five minutes to look like if Rudy Giuliani would have taken five minutes to realize he was looking in like a (laughs) oh my god he would have had this press conference at a hotel instead (laughs) instead of of a landscaping company located between a crematorium and a dildo factory (laughs) okay so what you're referring to um so, you know, obviously a big part of the campaign was that black people were supposed to show out for Trump in ridiculous numbers. And he did get a higher share of the black vote this time than he did get last time, largely because there was no viable third party candidate. So um, he closed his numbers there a little bit. Well, obviously, to create the impression that there were black people that were for Trump, you know, social media is the perfect way to do that. You know, start tweeting out as a black person. Um you know, voicing support. Um, you know, and usually when you see something like this, it's often good to click on the profile and see when they joined Twitter. And if they joined Twitter in October of 2020, odds are it's a fake account. Well, a former Lehigh County commissioner, this is also, I believe, in Pennsylvania, um, forgot to log out of his burner accounts. And so the very white Dean Browning, like he is quintessential white guy, 
his face will be all over social media by the time this uh, this episode drops. You'll be able to find him. The very white Dean Browning, Dean Browning PA from his account wrote, I am a black gay guy and I can personally say that Obama did nothing for me. My life only changed a little bit and it was for the worse. Everything is so much better under Trump, though. I feel respected, which I never do when Democrats are involved. Dean, I have multiple Twitter accounts. I don't really go onto my Rust Belt running account, so it's easy to juggle them. But I can tell you there's a button to toggle between the accounts and it's not hard to do it. But if you need lessons, reach out to reach out to me. My handle's in the first part of this episode. You can reach out and I'll show you how to use your burner account. Uh, I'm glad you see They found Twitter. the burner account, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, fuck. They found the burner account um, because he was always reacting to somebody. Um, he was always out. reacting to Dan. It, it's at Dan Purdy 322. This oh, guy God. suddenly was always responding to him. Um, oh, this is too you like you can't make this shit up. Damn it, we had this like little outline written great to like go from stupid politics to running, but this is just too good. And then everything came up in the last few hours, and it's just too good to not talk about. Oh my god, what's so difficult about this? Like, going back to what I was saying about how we need to not demonize, and let me let me. <sighs> specify if you want to demonize republican officials by all means like, like you and i were talking pre-show when i watch people that won't call out what's going on it makes it very hard for me to ever like look at somebody on that side of the elective office and trust them um but there are people who vote for them that i really think it's important not to demonize and one of the reasons why i think is that we get such different inputs and I know you know this because you used to be more right wing in, in your younger life. If you're doing nothing but watching Fox News, your view of the world is so different from if you're watching MSNBC. And it's like, if those are the inputs people are getting, how do I expect them to see things from my point of view? And it certainly isn't going to happen if I'm like, ah, oh, you watch Fox News, fuck you. So it's hard. And again, I'm not saying entertain everybody. You and I have had this conversation on the podcast before, like in the wake of George Floyd's killing, there were certain people that I just stopped interacting with because they were never going to have a conversation and you don't need to entertain those people. If all they're going to do is troll, don't do it. But if there's people that are willing to have discussions, you know, friend of the pod, Eric Geyer considers himself more conservative and he and I talk quite frequently and he's nowhere, I mean, he's certainly not a Trump conservative at all, but it's like, he's kind of a perfect example. He's somebody that if you just simply look and go, oh, this guy's voted Republican, fuck him. I would lose somebody that's a good friend who yeah. provides needed perspective. And so it's, it's not so simple as just saying, well, get rid of everybody who disagrees with you. In America, is that it? Is that it's best if we have two sane parties? You, you need to have Yes, you need to I have want that. it. Like, I, I don't want a... Supreme Court that is nine Democrats and no Republicans, that, that would be a catastrophe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that, you know, I think can get missed so much because we are so partisan. I want, like, control needs to shift. It needs to bounce between parties. And it needs to be, but it needs to be balanced where we truly do have these checks and balances. But it can't be so hyper-partisan like it has been. Now, a big right. reason why it's so hyper-partisan right now is because we have had the most divisive five years ever in our country. 
And some of that's on the Democrats for an awful candidate four years ago. Um, That that played a huge part in it. And um, it's just... Yeah, I the, the hyperpartisanism partis whatever the word is um, needs to stop, and we need to get back to having sane parties on both sides. I was telling somebody last week. Yeah, I was like, we have half of a sane party between the two right now. Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's really it, and uh, you know it sucks. So I'm not going to sit here and act like Democrats are all awesome they're not if you ask me where biden was on my list of the like 30 candidates that ran in the primaries he probably would have been towards the fucking bottom i think bloomberg was the only one that was further away from my preference yeah and i think he's also just a decent guy who biden yeah yeah absolutely like it kind of has some of the george bush effect (laughs) where it's like I would totally slam beer with George Bush. Like, I bet he would be fun as hell to hang out with. Uh, that doesn't mean I want him as president. And I didn't want Joe Biden as president until he got the nomination. And then I put his fucking sign in my yard. Yeah. Because of the division that has been created over the last five years by the other side and the sanity that has been lost by the other side. And we have to swing the pendulum back. And then maybe we can go back center a little bit. Um, where we can actually discuss and engage, you know, when, when all the George Floyd stuff uh, began uh, back in April, May, uh, you know, we, we, I talked a lot about engagement. That, that was like mm-hmm. yeah. the big thing, engaging with the black community. We can't engage with one another right now. Cause like, if we try to engage with somebody on the other side, even if you try to like reach across and like, just be honest and you're genuine, um, which the word genuine reminds me of one thing we need to talk about. Maybe we'll close with it, but uh, like, it's still next to impossible to have that engagement at this point in time, especially right now. Like that, that's the problem with what's happened over the last 72 hours since it's been projected that Joe Biden's going to be our president is like, we've already lost that ability to engage. Right. And that's a problem. And that should be seen as a problem. I will gladly sit here and engage with Republicans who want to talk about like honest policy and how, you know, the more progressive things that I believe are not communism and can help to ensure people live with decency, dignity, and respect, because that's what I believe everybody should live with. Yeah. And this is the only way I can think to segue to this decency and dignity. Uh, Are you fine if we move on and talk about running? For like five, yeah. five seconds we have. On our uh, running podcast? Yes. On our running podcast, yeah. So uh, one of the really uplifting stories of the weekend um, came out of Florida, where I'm, I'm hoping I pronounced his name right. Um, why couldn't it's his Nick-ish. last... Okay, why couldn't his last name be Smith? It would have been just so much easier. Um, uh, Chris Nickich uh, is a, a young man who uh, has Down syndrome, 
And a couple months ago, he did a half Iron Man. And we've talked about the uh, Iron Man races and distances before. Uh, but over the weekend, um, Chris Nickage with Down syndrome, he became the first person with Down syndrome to swim the 2.4 miles, bike the 112 miles, and run the 26.2 miles of an Ironman triathlon. And he did it in time. He, yeah. did not, he did not finish after the cutoff. He's a finisher, like by Ironman standards. Uh, and that was one of the really cool stories to follow uh, over this past weekend, especially amongst everything else. Like we, we, we had one like unifying thing that, you know, on running Twitter, we could all kind of agree was just fucking badass. And I know... I, I don't, I could never, I would never do that. I don't like swimming that much. I will do it from time to time. I can't even go to our pool right now. That's a story we're going to talk about in just a second because <laughs> COVID ain't over. Imagine that. Um, but uh, yeah, he is. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't like swimming. I, I like riding bikes, but for 112 miles, no thanks. And I cannot imagine doing that before yeah. running a marathon. And this kid with Down syndrome goes out and does it. And I just think that's absolutely amazing. It kind of took me back to when my brother was in high school and I was in middle school. Uh, my brother was an amazing cross-country runner. He was one of the top runners in his state. Um, his name was atop the leaderboard at his school for the 5K and cross-country for for a while it's since probably been totally removed because kids have just gotten ridiculously fast. But uh, one of our, one of his good friends, Natalie, who was like the state champion in cross country, who also attended his school, um, her brother had down syndrome. And when we were at races, him and I would be running all over the course together. And yeah. uh, you know, so it kind of took me back to that, just seeing down syndrome involved with running at all. But I just, I think it's cool. Some, some of your thoughts besides me just saying, I think it's cool because I don't really know how else to quantify it. I love stories like this because, because they point out just how artificial limits are. Hmm. And I think that's one of the great things about endurance sports in general. That sounds very Steve Magnusy. Oh yeah. And I, I've been listening to a lot of Steve and Brad lately. I, you know what? We're not going to talk about their election podcast, but I did send my, their podcast to you. And I said, I like it when, when we agree with them, because a lot of the same points they made are points we've made. Um, but no, I just, I, you know, you and I are both race centric runners. And so we love probing, you know, the, we love probing some of those outer regions of our endurance. And we've settled on a, we've settled on a distance. We tend to like marathons, but you know, you, you look at something like this and it's like, it's, it's kind of funny because people will hear from me. Like I, a friend of work yesterday was like, Hey, I might go out running with you sometime. Like how fast do you typically run? I'm like, well, I'm like, how fast do you want to run? And she's like, well, why, you know, how fast do you go? I'm like, well, my, my marathon pace is under seven minutes. She goes, Oh, you run fast. And so like her thinking about that with me is me thinking about Nick. Like I can't imagine doing what Nick did not just the running, but the biking and the swimming. 
doing it over the course of 17 hours. That is, that is something that does not appeal to me at all. And the fact that anybody would do that, much less somebody with Down syndrome who has challenges that I can't even fathom would do it is just so, it's just so cool. And it's why I love endurance sports. Cause I, I think it just, it, it shows just how artificial a lot of these limits are that if you choose to want to go after something, you absolutely can. And you'll find a way to get there if you want to. So it's, you know, I unfortunately can only finish up my thoughts by saying what you were saying, which is that it's really cool, but it's just, it's such a great thing to see somebody um, to see anybody tackle that, but somebody who has to face the challenges that Nick does go out there and just absolutely crush it. And it's the sort of story we need in a year like this. Yeah. There haven't been many things to celebrate. Right. And things that we can all celebrate together. There's been a lot of things we can celebrate, you know, as this or that, but yeah, we don't, we don't have a lot of things to celebrate. We've had, you know, a very contentious election cycle that's, I feels like it has lasted my entire life. And, um, God, yeah. And then we also, you know, have the COVID-19 pandemic, which that brings me to, you know, the next thing we're going to talk about for a few minutes, I'm registered for a race. That feels good. Doesn't it? I don't know yet. Um, but yeah, it's official. I mean, I have an email, so I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, but the interesting thing that came with the registration was I got a first glimpse into uh, what the COVID-19 protocols are going to look like. Now, so for those yeah. of you who thought that after November 3rd, coronavirus was going to go away, <laughs> you were wrong because this race is at the end of April and they're still saying, yeah, all this shit could change because it could get worse. So uh, but, uh, and the fact that we are peaking and Dr. Amy Acton was right. Imagine that too bad. She's not around anymore. It's for nothing to whine. Uh, did I go off on a rabbit trail there? I didn't mean to the goal. So there, I sent you the link, but there's a, a whole website like, or a whole page of the glass city marathons website that is dedicated to their COVID-19 protocols. So they reduced field size. Uh, they reduced field size to 7,500 people. Um, they are requiring masks to be worn during non-competition times. So that is pre and post-race, start line corrals, immediate finish line area. All staff and volunteers required to wear a mask. Oh, I burped. Excuse me. Um, all spectators. So that's. I thought that was interesting that they even brought up spectators. Um. And they have a whole section for them. Uh, must wear masks, face covering, maintain six feet, um, do the daily symptom self-assessment, and a minimal amount of spectators will be allowed at start-finish areas. Now, the one thing that Glass City does have going for them is the finish areas in the Glass Bowl, which is Toledo University's football stadium. So they can control access to that a lot better than you could, say, Cleveland, which is just downtown. Right. Like, how can you really control it? You can't tell people they can't walk on the sidewalk. Um, right. So yeah, very interesting. Um, but I, so I thought it was just kind of, you know, I, I had thoughts on how glass city had handled this before, yes. before they canceled last year. Um, and I thought it was handled very poorly because they, 
just kind of continue to act even after different orders that this was just going to happen and that orders didn't affect them from the governor. It's like, uh, you motherfuckers, it does. But to see this, I think is awesome because the one thing they're doing that I think is good is, and I think you'll see this maybe from a lot of races is they're kind of setting the, if it's going to happen, this is how it's going to happen. And if we are fortunate, right. we can scale things back. Right. But you don't want to be moving in the other direction. You don't want to be like, oh, you know what? We didn't do enough. So um, these 2,500 runners, you're gone. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's good because one is it creates the expectation that it can happen. And obviously, if you're a race after not being able to have it in the spring, you want to create that expectation because they just need it to stuff. happen, too. I mean, that, that's yeah. A- um, the other thing is that, and granted, you know, we just got news about the vaccine yesterday and today, uh, I don't know if you saw today, but Anthony Fauci said he expects that widespread availability would be possible. He thinks by April, um, see good things happen. So there's actually Biden's elected. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Am I feeling just a little bit relieved that the guy that didn't send his lawyer to a fucking landscaping business is not going to be running the COVID vaccine rollout? You better believe it. Jesus Christ. Um, But no, I mean, so what's good is that, you know, if you're a race, you've set, it's like you said, you've set the expectations. You have given the protocols for what you think is going to make a race possible. And um, I'm still trying, by the way, to somebody. If anybody knows the people that run the trilogy, please, uh, Please have them reach out to us. I've sent a few messages. I'd love to get them on because they staged their marathon in October. And, you know, so this is the first have race. Have tried that I sending know it to the their parlor or MeWe accounts? <laughs> God, I'm so happy I didn't even know what MeWe was. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm just, I'm not, you know what? I'm not even going to call it MeWe. I'm going to call it Mew. It's Mew. We're going to, we're going to go ahead and screw well, up that. You're going to piss off all the Pokemon fans out there. Oh, no. Um, it's my son, damn it. But, you know, it's, it's really good because it sets the expectations for how they think it can happen. And if things get better, you can just take it away. Yeah. But at least you've set that baseline of like, hey, if you're going to do this, decide if you're comfortable doing this, this because this is what we think is going to happen. This is what we think it's going to require. And my guess is going to be that probably my guess is going to be that that's the way it's going to be until probably summer. If if. Fauci's right. The vaccine's ready to go. April happens. I think you'll probably see spring races probably do something similar, have a similar sort of way of it being staged. If Cleveland does theirs, I think Cleveland will probably run theirs the same. And then maybe by summer, you'll see kind of a drifting away from that. And maybe like fall will truly look like a normal fall season. Mm, Maybe. Let's not get too too far ahead of ourselves. I'm giving you a best case scenario there, but like if the vaccine's truly ready to go and it's 90% effective as they're saying it is, um, and I've got to do some research and I've mentioned Andy Slavitt before on the pod, uh, Obama's former Medicare Medicaid head. He's been since day one of the pandemic, he's been doing like daily Twitter he has a great on information that he's been able to glean. He is. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to read up some of his stuff to, to get a better sense of like what all this could mean, because obviously no, trying to get him on now is there you go. And he has a podcast. Maybe we can just, you know, Andy have us on his fellow runners. Yeah. Wait, does he run? 
Get him on. Let's make it happen. We'll f- I think he does. Okay, we'll find a way. We'll, I think we'll he does. S- I'll reach out. Okay. I'm sure he's not busy. I'm sure he's probably not going to be considered. He's, he's unemployed, isn't he? Doesn't he just tweet now and do podcasts? I, I, I don't know what he does. I'm sure he's working for a think tank or something. He's doing what all those former government officials do. Oh. But, but no, like, so obviously right. thinking about next year with regards to what a vaccine looks like, it will be good to be getting information from people you trust because that has obviously been one of the biggest, one of the biggest questions is like, who do you trust on this stuff? I certainly wasn't going to trust the last guy considering that it was all political. So um, yeah, maybe I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but if yeah. it's truly normal, like uh, there might be, a, there might be a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, yeah, we, well, you know, it feels like that also when you can say, I'm going to just, my expectation is 2022 will feel. Yeah. That's more where, normal. that's where I'm at. Um, I'm optimistic. You know, I've talked frequently about my cruise because that's been effect- affected so many times. I am optimistic for my November cruise next, next November, not this November, um, right. just under a year away. Uh, but I am optimistic about that. Uh, this news about the vaccine makes me more optimistic about that. Uh, but I also am just... I know there will be restrictions with that as well. And I don't really see us loosening much until 2022 but just like glass city's doing where it's hey we can change things as we go if my expectations are too low in reality and and we do better than that great i'm fine with that i started yeah. growing a mustache now wearing a mask Man, there have been a lot of people that I know that are going like full out no shave November with the mask thing on and like at work, they'll pull their mask down to take a drink of water. And it's like, oh man, where did that mustache come from? Well, my brother is a, he's a testicular cancer survivor. And uh, Mm -hmm. so he, he takes Movember very seriously and he goes, he does the whole campaign uh, to raise money. And they, I think what's cool about Movember is they've expanded it to know it used to just be like straight testicular cancer, you know, a reminder to check yourself, uh, which is always fun. And, uh, you know, to raise money for, um, you know, research and treatment. Uh, but you know, they, they've really expanded it to, uh, to, you know, prostate cancer and, uh, men's mental health, which I think is awesome because, you know, we've always kind of been taught to, you know, men don't cry. And I mean, Kevin Love is a perfect example of a guy who takes his mental health very seriously, but is very open about it. And I, so I definitely this year was like, I'm going to do it. And it does not look great, but you know, it doesn't, it just itches. I don't know how you guys with facial hair do it. It just itches all the time. Like, I feel like I have like a piece of rose bush that has been burned on my upper lip. And it's still hot. You know, I just, I wonder with, I wonder with me if it's just that I've had it for so long. Like I had it, I grew it out when I started teaching because even now at 37 years old, if I shave, I look young. And so like, like then house. I had it. Cause yeah, 
I mean, I look like Ed Helms all around. Um, Sorry. But it was, it's it's one of those situations where when I was teaching eight years ago, like I didn't want to look super young. So it's, it's harder to maintain order with your classroom full of kids if you look young. So I, I did it then to look older. And I think I've just gotten used to it. I've never shaved it since. So yeah, I don't know if it, I don't know if it itches or if I just am kind of used to it. You should do a mustache. Just a mustache? Just the mustache. I don't, I don't know. If, I think if I was going to do that, What if we I'd raise money for something? <laughs> All right, well, we'll talk. Let's put a pin in it. We'll talk. We need to wrap this bad boy up. But uh, yeah, I'm going to end it. Is that, is that the words I'm supposed to use? End it? Is that is yes? That we, okay. Are you good with? Sorry, me? I just saw another great tweet. Spill it. It's it's not. <laughs> Amazon subsidiary Ring is recalling hundreds of thousands of video doorbells after receiving reports of them catching fire. Somebody quote tweeted and said, "Johnny Cash warned us about this." That's <laughs> <sighs> oh, a very niche Ring of Fire joke. <laughs> Can you uh? Can you DM me that? Because I need to make sure I'm good. <laughs> I just realized what you... I thought you wanted me to DM it to you to send it. I just realized why. <laughs> so I'm it's, like, uh, it's in your box. I'm... I'm <laughs> 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 Brittany, the house might be catching on fire. No, I'm just laughing because you said it's in your box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's good to laugh. And we have our This Week Show Without Context post. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I also, we're coming up on two years. I'm going to have to make a new little entrance song at some point. And the it's in your box is definitely going to make it on there. So thank you everybody for listening this week. Um, oh, Adam, I'll try to talk about something different next week. I don't really even know anymore. It's like there's no running going on. We miss it so much. And there's just so much more else. I yeah. So whatever. We'll talk about whatever we want to talk about. Nobody listens anyways. Uh for Adam Wheeler, I'm Andrew Hedinger. Um find us at rustbeltrunning.com uh or on any social media platform that does not involve conspiracy theories or a step away from 4chan at Rust Belt Running. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, stay clean. Stay home if you can. Wear your mask. And I'm just going to keep saying it. Arrest the cops who killed Brianna Taylor and enjoy your miles, everybody. All the networks!